Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Welcome to Church Online this morning. I'm so glad you're here with us. This morning, we come to the end of our I Am series. We've been in this series for six weeks, and it has been a great time of learning more about who Jesus is. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of our messages before this, feel free to go to our website and look at all of the resources that we have for each week of this series. As we take a look at today's I Am statement together, we end with one of the most important statements that Jesus ever made. We'll read it together in just a moment, but first let me ask you this question. Have you ever had if-only moments in your life? As in, if only I had purchased Apple stock 20 years ago, or if only I'd held on to that classic car that I drove around in high school, or if only I had saved for retirement earlier, and on and on. Those kinds of if-only moments can express regret, but they also can highlight that the possibility that if something happened differently, or if there was some intervention, some situations might have gone a very different way. In just a moment, I'm going to read a story from the Gospel of John in chapter 11. And what we find is another well-known story in the Bible. It's the story of Lazarus, and it includes some if-only moments. It's in this story that we find one of the most significant I am statements of Jesus. Actually, there's a couple of them. So, but let me set the stage for us a bit here. Jesus lived in a time and a place where life expectancy wasn't very high. It was a time where infant mortality rate was significant and where if you lived to where in your 30s, even upper 30s, you were considered on the older side of being an adult. In chapter 11 of the Gospel of John, John, just a few months before Jesus was crucified, he receives this news that his friend, Lazarus, is very sick. And if you know the story uh, about Lazarus, Lazarus had two sisters named Martha and Mary. And we know from Scripture that these three siblings were some of Jesus' closest friends. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha lived in a town called Bethany, which was essentially a suburb of Jerusalem. And when Jesus felt like he needed space away from the crowds to rest and relax during his ministry, he would go spend time here in Bethany with these three. They were like family to Jesus. But after receiving news that Lazarus was seriously ill, Jesus stayed where he was for a few more days before leaving to go see Lazarus. Now you'd think that after hearing that Lazarus was in serious condition, that Jesus would have dropped everything and taken the red-eye flight to Bethany. But as is sometimes true of Jesus, he does not respond as quickly as others want him to. So here's what happens in John chapter 11. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha, Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And there it is. There's the first if only statement. If only you'd done this, Jesus, things would be different. But Martha continues in verse 21. But even now, she says, I I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. 
Yes, Martha said, he will rise uh, when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? So Martha says, I know in the end my brother's going to rise again. And Jesus responds by saying, Martha, that's not what I mean. I am right now in this moment the resurrection and the life. Now, don't miss this. Jesus is not only uh, our future hope. He is that, but he is our hope. The resurrection and life right here, right now, in this moment for you and me and for the world. The question that Jesus asks Martha is a question that we all need to answer. Do you believe what Jesus said about himself? This is a hard question to answer often, right? The if onlys continue to creep in. If you watch, the same if only is expressed again a bit later in the story, but by this time, somebody very different. In John chapter 11, starting in verse 31. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. Isn't it fascinating? This time it's Mary, not Martha, but the same sentiment is there. And what we get to see from Jesus is a very personal connection with Mary's grieving. Again, this time, this if only, it was Mary. But, and, but Mary and Martha, they share this sentiment, saying again to Jesus, if you had only been there. But it's too late now, right? So they have this deep belief that if Jesus could have been there earlier, if he, he could have done something, but now was too late. And I want to pause here real quick and just explain something that we don't pick up on because it's simply just not part of our culture. In ancient Jewish belief, it was widely held that the spirit of someone who died hovered around the body for about three days in anticipation of some possible means of re-entry and new life, right? But on the third day, at the end of the third day, it was believed that the possibility of that spirit entering that body had passed. And so the spirit, the spirit was essentially locked out, meaning that life was completely gone at that point. The passing of the third day for Lazarus then signaled this last bit of hope that the mourners held on to uh, here. And, and they thought, well, that's it. That's all. There's no hope. Back to Jesus. What's fascinating in this story is Jesus' response. He actually shares in the grief over Lazarus. So if you look at verse 33, John 11 verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her, that is Mary, weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. The Greek word here that John uses is this really emotive word. It's this word that can be translated as sobbed or he convulsed with grief. And the phrase deeply moved, it's almost violent in the original language. It can be translated torn up inside. In other words, Jesus is writhing in emotional pain. I love that John described how Jesus is feeling here, that, that this really humanizes Jesus and makes it so that we can re relate with Jesus, but it also means that Jesus can relate with our life experience, right? Even then, we understand that Jesus lived in a fallen and broken world where disease and death and tragedy and heartache were a part of everyday 
life. And what we see is Jesus in his humanity feeling these emotions deep in his heart, deep in his soul. He felt the weight of uh, and grief over the loss of one of his friends. It says being deeply moved and, and troubled in his spirit. Then Jesus does something incredible. Most of us know the story at this point, but Jesus walks up to the grave in which Lazarus is buried. And in verse 33, he says, move the stone. But Martha, who's very practical, says, Lord, it's, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible and there's no hope. We shouldn't even try. And then Jesus responds, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and his hands and feet were bound in grave clothes and his face was wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, told them, unwrap him and let him go. Incredible. In Jesus's day, when a person died, you would wrap that person in lots and lots of linen strips. So here comes Lazarus, the dead man, alive and now walking, looking a lot like an Egyptian mummy coming out of a tomb, right? Just imagine it, just incredible. And right after Jesus said he was the resurrection and the life. Jesus's raising of Lazarus from the dead was a glimpse of something that was to come. Remember what Jesus said back in verse 25, our I am statement in John 11, 25 through 26 says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Now, I know many of us have heard this story before, and if not, uh, that we've heard the story of Jesus's resurrection or what we call the first Easter, Right? The most important message that I could ever share with you is this message of the resurrection of Jesus after willingly dying a criminal's death on the cross to take away our sin, yours and mine, and to invite us into this new relationship with him. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the resurrection and the giver of full life, is vital because Jesus is the one who causes to be the author and creator, the sustainer of all things from the beginning to right now and to the future for the future of all things. Jesus had and has power over death. He demonstrates that here with his friend Lazarus and later with his own resurrection. The Apostle Paul could later say uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Uh, the famous author C.S. Lewis said in his great sermon called The Weight of Glory, he said this, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations and cultures, art, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as that of a gnat. He continues, he says, the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw them, would be so, you would be so strongly to, tempted to worship them. If we let him, that is Jesus, he will make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature, pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine. A bright, stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly his own boundless power and delight and goodness. 
This is so extraordinary. This is Jesus, and he's standing in front of Mary and Martha and says, I know you're grieving, and so am I, but you know what? There's so much hope. Watch this. Have you ever thought deeply about the consequences of Jesus' statement when he says that I am the resurrection and the life? The implications are far-reaching and incredible for all of us. Then the larger story of scripture helps us understand in a broad context over generations the implications of the power of God found in Jesus. Jesus brings clarity in this moment on something that God has been working on throughout the entire history from the Old Testament into the New Testament. We've been talking about that each week. That is that the, the redemption and restoration of all things. And the crowning glory is the resurrection that is offered through faith in Jesus. The story of the Bible is about how God brings restoration and redemption and, and resurrection, literally new life, to things that we thought were dead, done, and without hope. Amen? Think about the stories that we know. Just a few months after leaving Egypt, Moses and the Israelites come into the wilderness of Sinai, in this dry and deserted wasteland and everything changes. At Mount Sinai, you could say that all things are made new between God and his people. We see God making a significant promise, a covenant, an agreement of relationship with humanity, with his people, the Israelites. God gives them these commandments and tells them that you're going to be my special treasure. God's work in bringing the people out of Egypt is that he not only leads the Israelites out of slavery, but he leads them back to something as well, to himself. And that invitation is available for all of us. God leads them and us not only out of darkness, but into the light. He leads out of the wilderness into a sense of home and belonging. He leads us out of hopelessness into a hope-filled future where broken things can be remade. He leads us out of having no place to the promised land for the Israelites and the promised land of salvation for all humanity. He leads us from being overwhelmed and beaten down to a place where all chains are broken, where all sins are forgiven, where relationships are restored, where our bodies are healed up. And he leads us to a place where we have purpose, where we are loved and we are made right in the midst of the very presence of God himself. He leads us from death to life. Praise the Lord. Amen. Our God is a God who comes to us and makes all things new and gives us that invitation. What a gift that was to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus on that day, but what a gift it is for us as well. Look at what it says in Leviticus 26, verse 11. I'll set up my residence in your neighborhood. I won't avoid you or shun you. I'll stroll through the streets. I'll be your God and you will be my people. I am your God, your personal God who rescued you from Egypt so that you would no longer be slave to the Egyptians. I ripped off the harness of your slavery so that you can move about freely. We can't uh, miss the question that Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? Again, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? One author I read this week wrote this. 
By identifying himself as the resurrection and the life in the present, Jesus seeks to shift Martha's focus from an abstract belief in the resurrection on the last day to personal trust in the one who provides it in the here and now. This transforms the sign into an action with, sim with symbolic significance that demonstrates the life-giving power of Jesus. Every believer in Jesus, in life as in death, participates in the resurrection and life that Jesus is and imparts. Physical death is not the important thing. Death is for the believer, but the gateway to further relationship and fellowship with God. Jesus helps Martha shift her thinking from an abstract idea to the here and now reality and asks her to trust and believe. One of my favorite verses from Proverbs in chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. My hope today is to simply help us enter the story, hear again who Jesus is, and to end this series making all of these connections from the story of the Old Testament to this moment right here. Where Jesus, through another I am statement, talks about who he is and then acts with power and calls us to believe. Again, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus is the I am, providing and protecting and leading and guiding, renewing, making all things new. He says, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the true vine and I am the good shepherd. But maybe the most powerful I am statement that he ever said is, I am the resurrection and the life, not just future life, life here and now today. And if we trust God with our internal destiny, we can trust him with our day to day and the seasons of life and work, both for all of us and our church. So let me ask you this question. Is there an area where you might feel lifeless? Is there an area of your life or your heart or your faith where you feel hopeless? Today, Jesus is reminding you who he is, the resurrection and the life, that he's with you in your suffering, but he's powerful enough to make all things new. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this incredible message, the message of your saving grace for us. Thank you for this story. We understand that this is the moment in scripture where many people believed and other people got really upset and it started the journey for you toward the cross. But we thank you that you acted in power not only here revealing who you are, but in just some, some sh a short time later as you make your way to the cross for us. You do make all things new. And so for where we're hopeless, for where we're lifeless, for where we th feel fearful, uh, God, we just ask that you come in power into our lives, our situations, our relationships, and be the one to bring resurrection and new life. We place our faith in you. We put, give you our whole heart. We respond in faith. 
we just thank you so very much, God. And we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. You know, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, I'm so thankful and just want to continue to encourage you to give more of your heart and mind to Jesus. If you uh, are exploring faith or maybe new to the story of Jesus, I again want to just encourage you, give your heart to Jesus, the God who is reaching out to you, who's done all of this for you to experience the freedom that you were designed for, the freedom from our sin and brand new life and purpose. Give your heart to Jesus. We encourage you to respond. There's a way to respond online. Send me a message and uh, send me a phone call and we can talk together and pray together and encourage one another. Blessings on you today and for the rest of your week. Let's keep worshiping.